the, this jug was broken like a flower and opened up and there was solid ice. You can imagine how cold this was inside my office mm-hmm. in this building. This is my conversation with Dr. Armin Der Karekian, the president of the American University of Armenia, or also known as AUA. Dr. Der Karekian founded AUA with Miram Ababian and Stepan Karamardian in 1991, the same day Armenia got its independence from the Soviet Union. We talk about how and why the university was founded, as well as the initial challenges the university and its students went through during those initial dark years after independence. Dr. Der Karekian and I also talk about the growth of the university and its important position today in Armenia. We would love to hear your thoughts about this story. You can email us at storybeyondtheruins at gmail.com. To be updated about future interviews, please follow our Facebook page. If you would like to support this project financially, please go to the donate section of our website. Without further ado, here's our conversation. So I'm sitting here with President Der Kurekhian of the American University of Armenia today. I want to thank you for, for taking the time to sit down um, and chat with me about the founding of this university as well as some of the current goals and plans of the, of the university. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've heard some things about the story of how AUA got founded. And please elaborate on, on the things I've missed out. But I heard that after the 1988 earthquake, Armenia felt that they needed trained professionals create more engineers in Armenia. Um, now, is that correct? Well, um, yes, uh, to some extent. When the earthquake happened, uh, you recall Gorbachev was in Washington, mm-hmm. and there was very friendly relationship between the U.S. and Soviet governments at the time. There was melting of the eyes. So for the first time in the history, uh, the Soviet Union agreed for a team of seismologists and earthquake engineers to come and investigate the earthquake and its effects. So the Nas- U.S. National Academy of Sciences formed a team of seismologists and earthquake engineers, which is like 22 people. And uh, I'm by specialty, I'm an earthquake engineer and was a professor at the University of California, Berkeley. And so I was one of two Armenians on that team. The other one, also an earthquake engineer, was Miram Agbapin, who was the chairman of the Department of Civil Engineering, Civil and Environmental Engineering at University of Southern California. Mm-hmm. So about 10 days after the earthquake, the team of 22 came to Armenia in a Soviet cargo plane. Very interesting experience of flying. And so we spent uh, several days investigating the earthquake effects. So at that time, we, we realized that Armenia was far behind in design of buildings that could resist earthquakes and construction. Not only did the construction was very poorly done, but also the design was poorly. It did not have features that are important to resist earthquakes. 
but at that time, the idea of an earth uh, a university really did not come up. The idea was maybe we'll select some students and we'll take them to the West to train mm. them in earthquake engineering. But then I came back in February of 1989. There was the, this is all Soviet time. The Soviet Union at the time, uh, the engineering societies of the Soviet Union had organized an international conference and had invited uh, delegates from many countries. Mm -hmm. From the United States, I was selected as the delegate. The American Society of Civil Engineers asked me if I would go. I agreed. So I came as a delegate of, from the U.S. for that conference. And there were people from many European and Asian countries here. So we had several days of meetings here, visits and so on. And then I stayed after the conference for a few more days. And uh, one day, it was the last Sunday of February 1989, I remember a friend, we, we were gathered in a professor of the Polytechnic, the home of this professor, for breakfast of hush, among all things. Mm. You I know love, what hush is? I love hush, yes. Yeah. Hush and vodka <laughs> in the morning, 8 o'clock in the morning. Um, the tradition is you do, you do three shots of vodka, right? Yes, yeah. yeah. And uh, so we were sitting around with all these professors from the Polytechnic, and across from the from me on the table was Yuri Sarkisian, who was the rector of the Polytechnic at the time. That was the first time I was meeting him. Mm -hmm. And so we were talking about how we could help Armenia, and uh, everybody was saying something, and Yuri Sarkisian said it would be good if we had American-style education here, university education. So immediately it occurred to me that an American-style university could be established here to bring in that kind of approach to teaching. So we started talking, you know, we talked about Americans to Beirut and uh, the difference in the American way of teaching versus the traditional Soviet way of teaching. And so when I went back in a couple of weeks uh, in March of 1989, I wrote a proposal. I contacted also Miran Akbabian, the chair at USC who had accompanied me, he was a member of the team earlier during the earthquake, after the earthquake. So he joined me. We wrote this letter proposal. If you go down to the lobby area, there's a history display, and you can see that letter, March uh, 1989. I don't remember what date, in day in March, but the letter is there. That was the proposal for establishing a university. The idea was to do it in Leninagada, in Gyumri, and the idea was to focus it on technology, particularly earthquake engineering. And so we sent this around. The letter went to many, many people, congressmen, governors, Dukmejian, Armenian charitable organizations, mm -hmm. State Department, anybody who had said anything after the earthquake. A lot of uh, politicians spoke about that, you know, because of the warming relationship between the Soviet Union. 
I've received a number of responses. Again, in the history case, you will see some of these letters. Mm -hmm. And uh, the most important was a letter from uh, Luis Simon, who was the executive vice president of uh, Armenian General Benevolent Union. She wrote a very short letter saying, this is an excellent idea. We are willing to put money behind it. So that's how this stopped. We had an idea and we had money behind it. Then uh, Louise insisted that she wants to work with institutions. So we approached the University of California. We said, get this idea and we had money behind it. And I was, of course, from the University of California at Berkeley. Miran Akbabian was a alumnus of University of California at Berkeley from my own department. He had received his PhD in 1953. And we, by that time, uh, a man by the name of Stefan Karamardian, who was dean at University of California, Riverside, wow. dean of business there, he had joined us. So he was also from UC. So we wrote a letter, Luis Simon wrote a letter to David Gardner, the president, UC, University of California, said, we want to establish an American study university. We have the money. Will you lend support to it to provide guidance and uh, educational uh, support in terms of how to develop programs, how to develop management of the university? So Gardner uh, agreed he, to look into it. Mm -hmm. He appointed his provost, second man in the whole UC system, not just UC Berkeley, but the whole UC system. And by the moment, William Fraser. He formed a team. We came here in the summer of 1990. A fact-finding team. We visited universities, research institutes, cultural places to see whether there were grounds to establish an American university. Went back and the decision was that yes, there is potential for such a university. And it took several months for this to go through different channels. I'm sure the State Department looked into it. And so in March of 1991, the decision was made to go ahead. We started preparing. And then in May and June of 1991, we came here, the three of us, Mirnak Babi and Stepan Karamanian and I, came here and uh, we started the university with three programs, uh, a degree program in industrial engineering systems and systems management, because by that time, the Soviet, it was still Soviet time, but mm -hmm. things were opening, so factories were, were being privatized, so industrial engineering was an important field operations research, you know, how to operate, uh, optimize and, uh, production systems. And so it was an important topic. The other was earthquake engineering, and the next one was business. So we started with these three programs, and we had 101 students to begin with. Uh, so over the years, we introduced other degree programs. Unfortunately, I must say, the earthquake engineering program, which was so important, could not be sustained. 
because there was total collapse of the economy in Armenia. Mm-hmm. By the way, the university opened the same day that the parliament declared independence. Now, was that a coincidence? Or it was a coincidence. Oh, so it wasn't planned as a no, it wasn't kind of planned, symbolic no. gesture. It's a, no, it was just total uh, coincidence. September 21, 1991. So we are, the is old as the republic. So what happened is that the economy collapsed. There was absolutely no construction in Armenia. Uh, students who were learning that no jobs. And so this affected the, uh, the applications. There was no applicants for earthquake engineering. Nobody was interested in learning earthquake engineering because once they learned, then there was no job for them. There was no construction going on. And so, in fact, I remember 1996 or 1997, I think, we had only one applicant, and you can't start. So we ended up having to suspend the program. Unfortunately, the monies were used for other, develop other programs, and uh, I think we should bring it back. So we have been more focused on what are the needs of the market in terms of employment. And so, for example, we have a computer science program, we have an MBA program. These are areas where the job market is in demand of these specialty areas. Um, so we have grown tremendously from 100 students first year to 2,000 students today. Uh, we have research centers, uh, we have an extension that teaches courses in uh, Yerevan as well as five regional offices, including Vanazor. When you first had the idea um, of starting a university in Armenia, um, did you have expectations that it would grow to this point, or was your main focus on making sure that we have trained engineers dealing with earthquake science. Did you imagine, ever imagine that it would be like this? um, It was very hard to imagine that one day we would be in this position. We are well known in the region. We are sought after university in Armenia. We have 2,000 students and we are growing. Mm -hmm. We'll be growing in due time. Maybe we'll Ten years from now, we'll have 4,000 students. I could not imagine, you know, it's almost like a miracle that this happened because there were enormous difficulties in the initiatives, enormous, including no electricity, no gas, no water. Um, I remember uh, the first year I came back here in January of 1992, somebody had brought a jug of water for me. We were out for a couple of hours, came back, mm-hmm. the jug had broken because it was all ice <laughs> in, in the office, in my office. The water had frozen to an ice and expanded. Mm-hmm. And so the, this jug was broken like a flower and opened up and there was solid ice. You can imagine how cold this was inside my office Mm -hmm. in this building. The columns downstairs 
the cladding, there are veneer marble stone on the columns. Mm -hmm. The column was getting short and the cladding was not getting as much short. Thermal coefficient is different. And this cladding was popping out. Can you imagine the columns from the freezing cold weather? They were getting shorter and these things were popping up. And that was the winter of 1992. It was one of the coldest winters Armenia had. And there was no gas, no kerosene, nothing. I mean, people were burning wood. I was staying in Marriott's hotel at night. Well, I wasn't taking my clothes off. I had this big park, uh, you know, my uh, ski jacket. And, mm-hmm. We were sleeping everything on. And, but my mustache, because of breathing and the humidity, there was a layer of ice on my mustache when I was <laughs> sleeping. It was that cold. But the university survived. Uh, we went through very difficult times. But financial, both financially and uh, in terms of the facilities here, and eventually we put generators in this building and we bought kerosene <laughs> to uh, produce electricity and some heat. So students were living in this building. Many of them were staying overnight because they couldn't go back. There was no transportation. Mm-hmm. They were living far. They couldn't. They had to walk back and forth. Uh, it was uh, very difficult. Uh, so many students were spending more time here. We were giving food, uh, free food, to our students because they couldn't afford that. Uh, there was some heat here eventually, but those were very, very difficult days, years. 92, 93, 94, but then we overcame it. Here we are, a well-functioning university. Everybody has a Wi-Fi. <laughs> you, know, you go downstairs in, in the basement, there are hundreds of computers. These students take it for granted. They don't. You know, they walk in the hallways, smiling, jo- enjoying themselves, but they don't know. What this university went had to go through for this. And our most loyal alumni are the first group of alumni, the ones who graduated in 1993. Mm -hmm. They are pillars of the university. They gathered and donated $50,000 to be pillars. If you go in the new building, you will see there's 100 pillars of AU. They are one of our pillars. They went through that difficult time Mm -hmm. with us. And so they are extremely loyal to the singers. Now, out, outside of the the physical environments of those years, what was the what was the national mood like when you came back and forth from the United States to Armenia during that time? The Soviet Union was dissolving. Um, you know, the earthquake had happened. There was the independence movement and the Karabakh movement. Um, can you maybe just describe a little bit what was the atmosphere like? Well. Um Again, they were very difficult times. Everything was, in a way, crumbling. Uh, factories who had worked, had employees, but making, they were producing one part of an assembly, the rest of which were in other republics. Mm-hmm. So these were dismantled. Somebody was 
making tires for cars, the, the other public said we don't want it. So these this factories were closing down, people were going unemployed. The university, and so everything was on a downward slope. This university was on an upward slope. Mm-hmm. We were bringing new ideas, we opening a library, we bringing computers, training people in languages and disciplines, different disciplines. And so in a way, in those years, AUA was a beacon of light. It was, you entered here, it was a different world. There was light, there was heat, there was food, Mm -hmm. there was class, there was serious learning happening. So when you talk to our early year alumni, very often they say AUA was a beacon of light. It was something that gave them hope. But of course, in due time, obviously, the the war was going on. Uh, And in spite of all those difficulties, it was amazing that Armenia was able to win the war. And uh, so it was both a difficult time and also a time where people had hopes. They, They had achieved independence. Armenia had not had independence for close to 100 years. And 70 some years. So there was hope for a renewal. People were absorbing those difficulties. They they were tolerating those difficult times Mm -hmm. because there was hope for a positive change. And as you know, after a while, that became difficult to be that hopeful. Many people left. But This past month, what happened? This conversation with Dr. Der Karekian was recorded on May 18, 2018. In the two months prior, Armenia saw civil unrest and protests against Serge Sargsyan and his Republican Party. Niko Pashinyan, a member of parliament, led the coalition of protests in March and April and eventually was elected prime minister in May 8, 2018. He dubbed the movement the Velvet Revolution for its peaceful nature. Dr. Der Karekian is referencing this revolution in this conversation. This reminds me of that time. This reminds me of the 1988-89, the demonstrations, demands for independence. That excitement that existed then also existed during the past two two months. Mm -hmm. And I think the same hopefulness exists, but now more mature. Now... To be honest, if you compare, the difficulties are not, the problems are not as, there are systemic problems, but they are not existential problems Mm -hmm. of, you know, how to heat your home, how to find water to drink, (laughs) or to bathe. One thing you said earlier, uh, you said originally the university was planned to to be established in Leninakan, now yes, yes. Uh, current day Gyumri. So in 1990, when this fact-finding team from University of California came, we talked to many, many people. Well, Gyumri, you remember, this was 9th, June of 1990. So we are talking about a year and a half after the earthquake. Mm-hmm. 
And there was very little that had been done in Germany. People were living in domains. It was very difficult life. We realized that it would be extremely difficult to start the university in, in uh, Kyumri. Uh, but we made a commitment and our first extension was in Kyumri. We have a very nice extension, we have classes there. Um, and so we have a branch in a sense, not a degree granting branch, but uh, through the extension we train many, many people in English as well as professional courses. Uh, we also have a TRDP office. This is Trupanja Rural Development Program, where we train rural people in businesses and we, those who are able to present business plans, we, through a bank, we grant them loans to sh- low interest loans to develop their businesses. This is a road in right now. Well, the first one was in Kyumri, uh, but then we had now offices in many other, Stepanakir, Manatsur, many different places. Um, switching gears a little bit, when you look at these 30 years after the earthquake, look at cities like Spitak, uh, Gyumri, Vanadzor, and the reconstruction efforts that have been done in these areas, from, a, from an engineering perspective, would you say you're personally satisfied with the work that has been done? Well, I would say little work has been done. Um, the biggest problem is the existing buildings that existed during the earthquake in Yerevan and many other cities. These are very poorly constructed buildings, they might say. They have the same construction methods that they had in in Kyumri and other cities. Although I must say the nine and twelve story buildings, prefabricated buildings in Kyumri, they were particularly vulnerable because of the site conditions in Kyumri. Kyumri is an old lake bed that was filled so sediments and and so the ground motion there was amplified in a certain frequency range that matched with the frequencies of many of these tall buildings, nine, twelve story buildings, and so made those buildings more vulnerable than they would be, for example, uh, if they were on a rock site. In Yerevan site, conditions are still different. But still, I think there are huge number of buildings that are vulnerable in the area as well as other cities. And uh, if a similar earthquake happens here, there would be major, major damages. The new buildings, some of them are probably well done, well designed, well constructed. Are all new buildings uh, safe? I, I don't know. I haven't and you can study several that I've looked at during construction, they looked fine. Mm-hmm. But there are also new buildings, one um <laughs> upper on some corner of S3. Doesn't look good to me. The, the knowledge of how to design earthquake resistant buildings 
and how to construct them and how to maintain them. That knowledge is still lacking in Afghan engineers. I don't think there are a sufficient number of engineers who have that kind of background. So the need still exists for training in that area. Wrapping up a little bit, uh, do you think there will be a growth of more uh, Western-style universities, institutions in Armenia? Do you feel that there, there's a demand for this, uh, I, this type of education? I, I don't think there's need for more universities. There was need for an American-style, uh, Western-style education system. We are that. And many other universities are emulating. They mm. they take some elements of ours and they incorporate. Some of our faculty are also teaching in these other universities, and I'm sure that uh, affects their teaching there as well. I don't think there's need for another one mm. there. And we, I think we would like to grow. A university must have minimum size for inertia to form. For example, here we need to have more undergraduate degree programs, so there is richness in our programs. And I think the young people are really interested in the Western methods and Western organizations. So yes, I think there will be growing number of Western organizations, maybe high-tech companies, more entrepreneurial uh, outfits, uh, a, an ecosystem for incubating, for startups, for uh, creative ways of, and and I think our means are very, quite good at that. Absolutely. Um, so yes, I think there is need. There will be growth in Western-oriented uh, organizations, companies, outfits, and then hopefully. The universities will also take some of the better. You know, the Soviet system also had its advantages in, in the sciences, particularly in uh, technological aspects. So it's not that everything from the West is, is better. better. Yeah. Yeah. But the smart thing is to pick up the better things from the West and the better things from Soviet past, the better things from the East and and take advantage of all the uh, good traditions of this. And so uh, that's what we try to do. Mm -hmm. What we have created here, we have also taken up uh, many of the Armenian traditions here in this university. We have good relations with the universities. We are one of the universities of Armenians. So, <laughs> so there are traditions. We uh, have many lectures on Armenian history, Mm -hmm. literature we digitize we digitize thousands of volumes of classical Armenian texts made them available for research uh, because it's an enormously valuable knowledge in there. I, I think the country should pick up the good elements of western ways and systems and Combine it with good elements of the Armenian tradition and other traditions. Just for the audiences who are interested in Armenia as a country, um, what's one thing perhaps that they don't know about the 1998, 1988 earthquake that 
you think it's important that they do know about it? Well, um, of course, uh, the, it was impressive how people from all over Armenia traveled there. You know, there were busloads of people that traveled there to to rescue, but it's you know you need special equipment. It was an extremely difficult time. Um, I was personally affected a lot because I was an Armenian and I saw the devastation, although it was 10 days or so after the earthquake. So uh, it was this extremely sad story of how irresponsible construction ended up affecting thousands of people's lives. Half a million became homeless. Because people were careless in, you know, the system obliged them possibly to steal reinforcement, to steal cement, because you couldn't buy these things in the open market, you know, it wasn't available. So um, the system made these people to uh, do a very poor job. You could see in the building there were places where obviously there's very little cement or to reinforce or carelessly, the way carelessly that built uh, these buildings. That was, uh, I think, a lesson that that kind of a system it has serious flaws where you don't have responsibility. You don't, you know, feel it, the, the, nobody was ever found responsible for the poor quality of construction. Mm-hmm. It was because of the system, because you have a government who designs, builds, and inspects construction. It's the same entity. It showed, I think, in a very clear way, the flaws in that kind of a system. Thank you so much, President Derek Karekian, for sitting down and chatting.